going into a message from Colossians and doing my best to bring that to you. So, so here's how this is a little bit odd, that I'm starting into this series on Colossians that is about finding focus when the last two weeks with sort of this COVID brain fog, I've had a hard time finding focus. So you're going to hear a message about finding focus from a guy who has struggled to find some focus the last couple of weeks. But uh, we trust the Word of God to bring that together in ways that he speaks to us exactly what we need to hear when we need to hear it. And I don't want to isolate it to just, all right, what I've experienced and maybe some of you have experienced too. I think all of us, when we think about it, can identify times when we have lost focus. So I, I want us to consider that a little bit before we read these words of Scripture. What it's like to lose focus and some of the reasons that happens. Sometimes focus gets hijacked. I'll, I'll give you an example, and maybe you can relate to this. I remember one time when I misplaced my house keys. Uh, they weren't lost out somewhere. They were in my house, I know, but I just couldn't find them before I left. Where did I set them down? I don't know. Now, it wasn't that big a deal because we had a spare set. So, all right, I'll just take the spare set, and they will turn up sooner or later. But I could not, for the life of me, get that out of my brain, Right? Where did I set those down? They've got to be somewhere, and I'm retracing my steps. And my entire focus, even though it didn't need to be at the moment, my entire focus was hijacked on, where did I set down those keys? I know they're somewhere. Maybe you've had something like that too, right? I misplaced something, and I just can't move on to focus my brain on the next thing until I fix whatever it is or find whatever's lost or figure out how this is supposed to work. Sometimes our focus gets hijacked like that, and maybe we've all had that at some point. Sometimes focus becomes distracted. Distracted in ways like when my kids tell me I can do homework and scroll TikTok at the same time. That works. And I really can't say too much, maybe just based on the number of times where I'm trying to read and have a baseball game on TV at the same time as though I could do that too. But in my defense, it's baseball. It's not really that distracting. But, but you know what that's like too, when distraction comes. Something that you know you're supposed to be focused on, but something else grabs your attention and pulls that. We know what that distraction is like. I think we've all felt that in different ways. Uh, or consider a third thing. Sometimes when maybe focus becomes overwhelmed, there's so much going on and life becomes so busy that we just don't even know what to focus on next because there's so much busyness and noise around us with the busyness of life. I know we like to use terms like multitasking, like I can multitask, but let's admit it, human beings are not really wired to be multitaskers. It's not something we do well. So we become distracted from focus when there's so much going on. Uh, this becomes, I think for some people, this becomes very evident when perhaps something like a critical serious illness happens or a sudden personal loss takes place. And, and for whatever reason, your life has flipped upside down and it seems like the best I can do is just get myself to the next day. Don't even ask me to focus on next week or next month 
or a calendar like that, it takes everything in me just to get through this day and into the next one. We know what it feels like sometimes to be overwhelmed with so many things grabbing at our attention and vying for focus there. So we know what that's like in life. I think every single one of us does. We know what it's like to have moments where focus gets pulled away. Now, the letter of Colossians, then, that the Apostle Paul writes to the church in the city of Colossae is about focus, but it's, in particular, a focus of our faith. I don't know how often we think about that, that the faith that we have in God has a focus, so we may think, oh yeah, I believe in God, I'm a person of faith, but, but maybe the question to ask yourself when reading through the letter of Colossians is, is my faith focused? Or, like in those other areas of life, does my faith get pulled away from focus in maybe some of those same ways? That it's hijacked in a direction where it doesn't need to be, that it's distracted by other things, or that it becomes overwhelmed, and I don't even know where my focus and my faith is supposed to go. Colossians is a good letter for us to consider that. So I'm going to read today. This is from the very end of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2 on the subject here of finding focus as it relates to our faith. Uh, it's on the screen here, and there's also an outline you have, and I'll go through that outline with you in a little bit of how this fits in, okay? Colossians 1, beginning at verse 24, and then going into the first five verses of chapter 2. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes. Now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, the Lord's people, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all those who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely, Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, 
let's figure out what's going on in this passage because uh, if you were trying to track with that as I read it, some things can get lost there. So I have an outline up here and it's printed in your bulletin as well that you can see there. And for those of you joining us on the live stream, that's a download you can find from our website that just helps us see some of the framework around this. I want us to put that in place first because I think when we see the structure of this passage, this whole question about finding focus in our faith starts to come out of it, okay? So let's look at how this sort of plays itself out in the way Paul writes this. And maybe if, if you've been with us before, maybe you've, me, you've seen me do outlines like this because this is so common in the biblical literature that outlines place the main point right in the middle and then there's sort of bookends around that. So I've got this structure to where those last few verses out of chapter 1 are the first section there, A, B, and C, and then the repeat of B and the repeat of A. And then those first five verses of chapter 2 are the bottom part of the outline, D, E, and F, the repeat of E, the repeat of D, the bookends around it, okay? So let me take just a few minutes here and sort of put this passage into that outline so you can see where the main point sort of jumps right out of that for us to grab hold of here, okay? Starting with the bookends, the things on the ends there, where I'm going to label this as being about struggle. So on the bookends of these passages, it's verse 24 and 29 out of chapter 1. It's verse 1 and verse 5 out of chapter 2, where the Apostle Paul, who writes this, talks about a particular struggle. The one that he's referring to at the end of chapter 1 is his imprisonment, that Paul writes this letter from prison, that he's distant from the people in the Colossian church, and he can't be with them. And he gives more words to that as he reframes that same struggle in that same outline in chapter 2, in verse 1 and verse 5. You catch that if you see those verses, that he longs to be with them personally, that he says in verse 1, there's some of you there in the church I've never even met before because you joined after he planted that church, or however that went. Then he finishes it in verse 5 by restating his desire. I want to be with you personally, but I am, to the best of my ability, with you in spirit. He names something of a struggle, a struggle that takes place there, that for Paul, in this situation, is about a physical separation. He's in prison. He'd rather not be in prison, as I think most people would agree. And he wants to be with them personally, together with them, but he can't. All right, that's the bookend around that, where he names what his struggle is. Now, let me move into the next piece. This is about the mission. So, after and around these bookends of struggle, Paul talks about the mission that he's been given. And you see this in the end of chapter 1 in verse 25 and in verse 28. You see it in chapter 2 in verse 2 and in verse 4 where he talks about the mission. And the word fullness comes up again and again in those verses as he talks about it. That in verse 25, his mission there is to present the fullness of God's word to them for maturity. And in verse 28, to teach and encourage fullness in Christ. In chapter 2, verse 2, to encourage them in fullness of Christ. And then in verse 4, that they would not be deceived by those who are bringing a false teaching, that they would stay in the truth of Christ. 
You see something of Paul's mission there. And, and if you've studied or know anything about the Apostle Paul, then you know this, that, that the Apostle Paul had a mission to plant churches around in places where people didn't know Jesus and bring them to knowledge of Jesus so that they could have faith in Jesus, that this was Paul's mission. And he's, it's a mission that, at this time, he's struggling with because he can't go around to these places. He's stuck in prison. But he still states, even though I'm in prison, I still want you to know what my mission is. I still want to get back to knowing what it is God has called me to do. Bringing some focus towards that, even though his struggle makes that more difficult. Okay? Then, the middle section there, in the very middle, and and this is the part where really these passages are supposed to all come together, is the message. The message that he brings, the message he has for the people in the church in the city of Colossae, the people who read this letter, us who read this today. The point of these verses in this passage that come right in the middle of them, in that first section of chapter 1, it's verses 26 and 27. In chapter 2, it comes in the last half of verse 2, in verse 3, where he talks about this. The message is this, Christ in you. That Christ resides in you by the Holy Spirit. We are given unity with Christ, a union with Christ that Christ himself accomplished on the cross. That he did that, not us. That's the message. So I... All right, you you see something of the structure of this passage, how it goes, and maybe you didn't catch that on the first reading. I know I didn't catch it on the first reading. I had to spend time rereading and going over that for this to sort of pop out and see through that, that there's a message that's repeated there about Christ in you, and that's where his focus is going. My mission, Paul says, is to stay diligent in presenting the gospel to you so that you would know that Christ is in you, that that's the way you live now, with Christ in you. Now, there's a couple other words that are repeated in this passage that maybe draw some attention too, because in both those instances where he gives the message about Christ in you, he also says something rather curious, both in the end of chapter 1 and in the beginning of chapter 2. He says, and this is a mystery, It is a mystery that is hidden. Did you catch that in those places there? The end of chapter 1 and beginning of chapter 2. Yes, Christ is in you, but this is a mystery that has been hidden. What's that about? Hiding the mystery of Christ in you. Uh, Maybe part of this for us is understanding what, at least in the Greek language, Paul means when he writes mystery, because it doesn't mean the same thing for the Greeks as it does for us. Mystery for Paul is not about a puzzle to be solved or a riddle to figure out. Sometimes we hear the word mystery and that's what we think of, right? Oh, a mystery. We need to solve this. Figure it out. Like a puzzle or a riddle. That's not the Greek understanding of mystery. So Paul's not saying here, all right, here's a puzzle. Figure it out. When Greeks talk about mystery, what they refer to as something bigger than what we can fully comprehend, more than we can fully know on our own. We see glimpses and pieces of it, but 
we as humans don't have the capacity to truly understand the whole complete nature of it. That's what Greeks would refer to as a mystery, something that's just a little bit beyond us, even though we see glimpses. Hidden, that before Christ, this mystery of the gospel was something that had not yet been revealed fully until Christ came. Now, there were glimpses. The Old Testament is full of passages that are sort of those prophetic verses that tell of the coming Messiah. There's glimpses, but it becomes fully revealed in Christ. And even then, consider that. The Apostle Paul knew who Jesus was for a good portion of his life before he was an apostle. That if you know anything about the Apostle Paul who writes these words, that he was at one time someone who went around persecuting the church and trying to stamp out this whole Jesus movement. That he himself had a point in time in his own life where he knew who Jesus was, but he didn't get it. He didn't see the full picture. Paul's not alone, is he? How many of the disciples of Jesus were that same way? They lived with the guy. They traveled with him. They heard his teaching face to face. But how many of them still didn't really get it? Understand what Jesus was there to do, to die on the cross and to come back again from the grave. Even those who had direct face-to-face contact with Jesus didn't always fully see the picture of who Jesus was and why Jesus was there. I think Paul's acknowledging some of that in this passage, right? That it's, it's a personal testimony of his own life. It was hidden from me too. I didn't always see it either. That God works in ways that are sometimes so unexpected and so far beyond what we see coming. So he wants to keep that peace alive here. I want you to know the message of the gospel, that it's Christ in you. But let's also keep an eye on, there's a piece to this that is still just a bit beyond us, of understanding all of how that works and how that happens. Now, that's the example of the Apostle Paul in this passage. Now, to make this something that works for us today, here, here's, here's the question. So what can we learn from that? What can we see from the example of Paul that helps us today in our lives, in the faith that we have, in something that we may acknowledge is, okay, my faith has moments where it needs some refocusing as well. How do I find that focus in my own faith? What can we pull out of this example from Paul that maybe helps us work in that direction to find a little bit of focus to your faith? Just a few things that I think that we can see in this example just from these verses. First of all, let's say this. Don't allow struggles to define your focus. Don't allow struggles to define your focus. You see how that works in the life of the Apostle Paul in the example that he gives here. He's dealing with a struggle. He wants so desperately to be with those people together in person, but he can't. 
but he does not let that define his focus, that struggle that he's dealing with. So whatever it may be for any one of us, when struggles come along, when, when things don't go as maybe we hoped they would or planned they would, when life turns in a direction that we didn't see coming and we'd rather not go that way, how often do those things define focus? That's something that we deal with, isn't it? That we have moments where struggles take over and then they become the focus. But I think we see an example here today in which we can say, don't let those struggles define the focus of your faith. Because the struggles are not the thing that make your faith stuck in one place where it is. But God works through that and beyond that. Whatever that may be. Uh, I'll, I'll just give one example, but there are so many others that I think could be personally shared and known among us that perhaps for someone who desires, truly desires to be a more generous person, God, I know that in my faith that you want me to give of the blessings that you've given me that I've been blessed. And you know what? I've been passed over for that promotion so many times or that bonus didn't come this year or the business is just not going well. And how can I be a more generous person, God, unless you bless me with more things to give? And it's a struggle. Don't let a struggle define the focus, though. Jesus tells this story in the Gospels where he's uh, near the temple where they give all the offerings and this poor widow comes along and and drops just two coins in, not even worth one cent. And Jesus calls that out and says, wait a minute, I want you to see something. This woman gave more than all the others because she gave from whatever it was that she had to give in her poverty. That The struggle did not define the focus. But rather, there was a focus that went through that. So whatever your struggles may be, wherever life is not going the way that you think it ought to or should go, don't let that be the thing that defines your focus of faith in that. And then one other thing that I think we find from this. Leave room for God to surprise you that I think what we see here in the Apostle Paul's example, especially when we know that story, that there was a time in Paul's life where he persecuted the church and wanted nothing to do with Jesus, that Jesus surprised him. His life turned around in that. He didn't see it coming. We're about to go into that time of year when Advent begins. Right, that, that time of year when those who've been a part of the church or even outside of the church, you've heard that story, right? That, that Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem and the angels come and the shepherds and the wise men and all that. And, and we know that story of the birth of Christ because we've read about that and rehearsed that so many times. But for the people living back then, nobody saw that coming. It was entirely unexpected. wonder how often we lose track of that. The, the way in which God surprises us 
by showing up in places where we never expected God to work or to move or to be. And our focus then becomes distracted around that. Uh, what I mean by that is sometimes, uh, sometimes I've got such a clear picture in my mind of who it is that I want God to be. There is such a clear picture in my mind of what it is that I want God to do that my faith becomes a box around that, right? That God, I'm going to believe in you as long as you fit inside this box that I've created and that's where my focus goes. But how often in Scripture doesn't God show up somewhere outside of that box? Hardly ever does God show up inside that box of some kind of focused expectation. So I think it's a good example here for us to remember that when finding a focus to our faith that we leave room for God to surprise us, to show up where we never saw God coming and being present in our lives because that's what we see over and over again in Scripture, how God shows up. That we don't put God in a box like that, but God shows up in places where we never expected to see him coming. God promises that he will be found. Uh, when it comes to finding a focus of faith and, and focusing on God and what it means to have Christ in you, that this is not a puzzle for us to unlock, but God promises in Scripture he will be found. So when you read in a passage like this that the mystery is hidden, don't take that to mean that God is hiding because that's not the case. God is not hiding. He says he will be found. Jesus puts it this way in what he says in the gospel. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. That God is there to be found. And for those who walk that journey of faith somewhere along the way, we come to the realization that we, we truly discover that it has, in fact, been God who is seeking after us the whole time, right? That it's not us who are going to find God, but God has come to find you. Jesus came to this earth to find you. That we are the ones who are found. And through the cross, through what Jesus did there, he now resides through his Holy Spirit within each one of us. Find your way back to that focus, knowing that God has been there with you the whole time. Don't let your struggles get in the way of that. Leave room for God to surprise you and know that you are found by God, and he is with you. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the gift of your word and, and the ways that you remind us that the mystery of the gospel is not something that's out of reach for us, but that you are found 
because you are the one who has found us. Lord, we're sorry for the times when we've let our own struggles get in the way and, and we've lost track and lost sight of how it is that you reside in us. God, we're sorry for the times when we have put you inside such a small box that those unexpected ways that you are there failed to surprise us because we weren't, lurk- we weren't looking. We missed it. God, open us up again. Remind us again of how you dwell within each one of us. Strengthen us in that faith. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.